Hello and welcome to Lave Radio. Greetings and welcome to Lave Radio. Greetings, Commanders. Greetings, Commanders. A show that talks about the universe of Elite and the development of the computer game Elite 4, known as Elite Dangerous. And the fantastic community that surrounds it. Broadcast A place of nonsense and innuendo for forum dads. A self-contained podcast two hours long. Transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. It's even louder than me. The hottest show this side of Dizzo. The name of the place, Lave Radio. Lave Radio. Lave Radio. Lave Radio. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 411 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, otherwise known as Colin Ford, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, and joining me in the orange Sidewinder bar for tonight's episode, we have our Staff Liaison Officer, Commander Psykit. Hello! We have our Apprentice Stunt Driver, Commander Alec Turner. Good evening, everyone. And as Ben is taking the week off to help put up shelves and, and do general DIY, we have roped in our chief test pilot, the legend that is Commander Crash. Greetings, Commanders. Yes. So if you wish, you can join us live on Twitch. We do have the Chris Mark Four hanging about in Lave Station at the moment, I think. So you can always pop by and wave to him. Uh, otherwise, if you can't get to wave at Chris, you can join us in the in-game Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat or, or go to Twitch TV slash Lave Radio, or go to Facebook, go to YouTube, or Twitter. Uh, Twitter, we're all there, and I'll just wave to everybody in in the chat room that's already there. Very nice of you to join us. Thank you. So we will go around the crew and see what Earth's been up to for the last week. So let us start with Commander Psykit. I've been not doing a lot. Oh, this is going to sound really sort of stupid and really, um, and really not very, not, not much of a positive way to start off the, start off the show. But, um, I'm trying to come to terms with new pain, (laughs) uh, new pain that has, um, started to manifest in my hands, which as, people who play Elite Dangerous and all of us, I believe, with Hotesses, um, you might understand that it's it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult to do to have something taken away from you quite as excessively excessively um 
like without you doing anything i have i haven't done anything at all to my um to my hands but it just means that i can't do the things that i want to do which is let's be honest sit and play elite dangerous all day um, <laughs> and and obviously other bits and pieces and all of like the tactile things that involve being on the computer and doing stuff um i've i've purchased some i've been getting getting used to using some compression gloves which was something that um that uh Darren actually recommended to me because he uses them um and I bought them and they're doing a really good job the pain hasn't gone and I've got I've got like a consultation with the doctor about it but it's just like those of those of you who are chronic pain sufferers who know what it's like to have chronic chronic pain and all of that kind of stuff when there is a new pain and something new that you're you're not you you're not like dealing with every day it becomes really really like super detrimental and it's it's such a kick in your mental health as well so i've not been doing a lot because of everything that's happening <laughs> i have been playing elite i've been playing more cyberpunk um i've been playing this game called um dome keeper as well which is a pixelated roguelike game which is great because i if you use a keyboard and mouse with it, you only have to use your left hand and my right hand is the one which hurts more. That's a fucking beaut of a game and it's and it, it's really fun. Um, anything anything else that we've been doing? My dog fell into a lake, into, into a canal the other day mm. um, and came home soaking. So that was funny. I'm glad he got out. Oh yeah, no, he was fine. We oh, like right. he he fell into the canal, and we found out at that point that he knew how to swim because he steers away from swimming all of the time. But <laughs> but that, that's about it, really. <laughs> it sounds like the Scottish approach to swimming lessons. They throw you in the Just water and shout, "Don't drown." <laughs> And I said to I said to um, the other half, like, what were you doing? He was like, oh, I was just tying my shoelace and I had a splash. I thought he <laughs> threw him in and shouted, don't drown, because he's got nah. <laughs> nah, because if he'd done that, I'd be swinging for him, like broken hands or not. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. That's about it. It's about, sorry, it's a bit of a downer, but um, yeah, Elite Dangerous is fun when I can play. Yes, well, let, let's hope that um, it eases off in the near future, shall we? Okay, we will move on to Commander Crash. Hello, sir. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, my dear. That's uh, it's not very fun. I know that. Hey, true stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of just got a little bit of RSI, but that's nothing in comparison to that. So, yeah, hopefully that gets better. Uh, myself, what a busy, busy inhaling caffeine and, and burning the candle at both ends uh, very very busy since we last spoke uh, in game wise i finally g5 modded all weapons and suits yeah <laughs> so oh, very, very, yeah yeah i got a, a massive collection now I'm, I'm ready for anything well maybe not insectoid things coming at me on foot but uh, <laughs> ready for most things at least so thank you to everyone who jumped in on my stream helping me get the mats and things for that finally got there um we're just prepping up now i'm going to move the carrier the squadron's going to head out to colonia we're, we're we're taking the brave sir robin approach to the upcoming story so thanks for that <laughs> run away <sighs> yeah there's, there's enough people that want to watch so. 
This is going to remind, remind me when in Distant Worlds happened, when you lot all ran away on Distant Worlds <laughs> and the Thargoids attacked, and I was I felt like I was the only one in the bubble holding the line. I was really appreciative. Just stood there like the Travolta meme, like <laughs> surrounded by Thargoids. Thank you, Colin, for defending the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all this. Look at all this. Hey, they never made it to Seoul, did they? <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. He did, he did a good job. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. This time it's different. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there. <laughs> you're, you're welcome to hop on the carrier, then. You don't have to worry. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Been been doing that in game. Outside of game, I've been equally massively, massively busy. I had to take a break from streaming last week. I went down to support my brother. He's following his dream. He's opening up a tabletop gaming store in his local town. Nice. This is great. So, you know, massive props to him. Um, And thank you to everyone. There's a bunch of people donated. So massive thank you. everyone. He hit about four grand on his um, uh, crowdfunder thing. So he's going to be able to get extra stock in and things now. Um, And he's going to be giving a bunch away to the people uh, who uh, contributed to that as well, which is great. It's mostly games workshop stuff, but he is doing a bunch of other things as well. I think uh, so, like the the Star Wars things as well, uh, the tabletop stuff, Legion and X Wing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot, a lot of that stuff. Um, but it's great because it's a, it's like a community hub for all the local groups there to get together and play games. Uh, mostly, he's got the tables and all set up, so that's the main thing. So you know, big kudos to him for doing that. Um, and beyond that, I think I'm not sure if I mentioned that I I have pet exotic frogs. I like dart frogs. I don't know if that's come up in conversation before, but... Uh, we do wonder when you ever walk around with one of those bloat... bloat <laughs> we, we, do, we do worry that, that something might happen. They're, just, they're mildly toxic. It's fine. It's okay. As long as, you know, it's fine. Just just handle them correctly. It's fine. Actually, it does explain a lot of your behavior. You've been, you've been licking frogs, haven't you? <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I'm just so, like, worked up all the time. Um, but no, I've I'd, I'd been so, so busy because I found out that yeah, one one is a boy and one is a girl. So we we've got a whole bunch oh. of tadpoles. Um, six of them have just climbed out of the water, and I've got about sixty more. So <laughs> it's been a busy couple of weeks. Yes, please don't release them into the wild. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. No, we've got some good homes lined up for them, but uh, still looking for some more if people want any. You want your own poisonous frog, Commander Crash? Yeah. <laughs> you want to go? Right. Um, well, we'll move on to someone who must be exhausted of spreadsheets at the moment. How are you doing, <laughs> Alec Turner? Yes, I am sick of spreadsheets. <laughs> but yes, all my spreadsheeting is done. Uh, the re- the last gasp race is over. The championship is over. All the points have been added up. The winners have been announced. We'll probably cover that a bit more later. But um, yeah, yeah. Not that I'm grumbling about it now. In real life, I have nice, cosy radiators, which are ticking along very pleasantly now. So now I've got the lovely job of um, going around and patching every single wall in the house because most of the old radiators were bigger than the new ones. So there's lots of nice, you know, you know the bits where you couldn't quite put the wallpaper. So there's these sort of exposed bits of wall. and oh, and um, but, but I have to say, the... Um, the man box that we all have in our attic or our basement or somewhere has been totally vindicated. So I managed to come up with wallpaper and paint for at least four of the seven walls that I had to... Uh, oh, matching wallpaper and paint. Yeah, ancient bits of wallpaper that I kept thinking that'll come in handy one day. Ancient mm-hmm. old, you know, quarterful pots of paint that I thought, I'll hang on to that. That'll come in handy one day. Vindicated. Yeah, because normally, normally, if that was happened in this house, it's a complete redecoration. 
Yeah. Well, normally it's like, I'll throw that out. You're never going to use it again. And I thought, I've just kept it tucked away and they've, they've all come in. So I'm feeling very pleased with myself. <laughs> oh, smug mode. Indeed. And and yeah, in-game, um, actually, I've, I sort of, because I wasn't really taking part in the last race, I was only marking it anyway. I, um, I've turned my back on civilization and, and run for a bit of solitude. So I saw, when did this go up? On September 25th, um, Commander Mar Dante Soloist posted this beautiful ice wall that he'd visited. Um, it was just this fantastic ridge. I mean, it wasn't actually a crater, but it was this sort of ridge that went around in a almost like in, an enclosing wall of a medieval settlement or something. Um, so I decided I would I would go out. So even though it was eight thousand light years out of the bubble, I just thought, what the hell? Let's let's just go and have a look at this ice canyon. So I spent a few days following the um, the neutron superhighway. Mm-hmm. Got there this morning, and I've realised because he doesn't have the coordinates, um, looking for this ice canyon is is quite a big job. Ah, I don't, I don't suppose you can ask the commander a question. LCU from Canon pointed out that every time you take a screenshot, it creates a journal event. So should in theory have been in his journal but apparently he didn't use the in-game screenshot facility he used um something external so i suspect all, all, all hope of a screen of, of coordinates is lost but i'm having a, a great time actually it's a very beautiful planet and it's one of these things where from a certain altitude you you sort of fly over it and you think oh there's nothing like this feature anywhere but then when you get below a certain altitude you suddenly realize there's things like this feature everywhere um mm. it is spectacular i'm not sure i'll ever find the one he found but i've, I've found lots lots to see so i might spend a few days here and it's lovely it's quiet there's no races there's nobody else around you're just chilling i am i'm just chilling it's, it's lovely well um let's see unfortunately i have had no in-game experience this week at all, mostly because i had to go up to scotland at the weekend to look after um certain legal issues and stuff to do with my mother, uh, which is, yeah, I uh, don't think we'll go into right here. However, one thing I did do over the weekend was I did manage to slip in one stream, which was a, a retro stream going from Elite, uh, Frontier, First Encounter, uh, Frontier, and then Frontier, First Encounters, mostly partly to do with research for this topic that we're looking at, and to really try and find out whether or not I actually enjoyed playing the old games. Um, and surprisingly enough, <laughs> I, st- I still enjoy playing the uh, the original Elite. For, I was playing the Amiga version, um, which I've got problems with, but it, you know, it, it's a perfectly uh, good version. But then I, I played Frontier and First Encounters, and I must admit, although I love the game world, oh, I had real trouble with the flight model. Um, which was which was surprising because one of my favorite games I really do like Newtonian physics <laughs> but this one oh it, it was a it, I found it difficult and I was there thinking surely it's not this hard um crush I was going to say there is a video on YouTube I need to share it with you I think it's Frontier Fundamentals was the title once I watched that it completely changed my view of how f- combat worked in Frontier yeah, um, I've actually seen the same. You've seen it. Uh, I've seen the same thing. Um, it's done 
oh i can't remember the the, the gentleman named i do i do subscribe to him because he he, he does a lot of retro stuff <laughs> yeah this just in elite fan still likes elite yes completely <laughs> true um but yeah it, it's you've got to thank and uh and dj and um john jordan for actually putting stuff in those games because uh, there's the original version and then um, the fans took it over when it seemed the Frontier wasn't doing anything new with them. Uh, and they put in more control methods, so there's lateral thrusters. So that makes the game a little bit better because you can do circle strafing and things like that. But, ooh, it, I don't know. It, it's just, I thought it was too scientific, which means that when I come back to Elite Dangerous, it feels right because it's a good combination of the, what I found good in the original game, yet it's also got all the, the universe that I liked in the other games. I was just going to say, Flight Assist Off is, is, is funny, isn't it? I don't know if um, how many of the crew here are, are now sort of regular or permanent Flight Assist Off, but I've been using it more and more. Um, this ice, you know, searching this planet for this ice crater, one of my favourite things to do now in the game is just to um, actually turn all the HUD off as well. So, so it's not so busy, and then go flight assist off, and then basically just float across the the surface. And apart from obviously keeping yourself stable, you know, you sort of tap the up thruster occasionally on a low G world just to keep yourself sort of floating. It's a great way to look for um, plants and and just generally to explore planets. It's, it's so relaxing, and it, but it's weird when you go back to turning flight assist on. It feels very. Um, not gamey exactly. Feels restrictive. Yeah, I, I mean the movement's not that pleasant. The movement in flight assist off is just is just really pleasant. There's something really nice about it when you get the hang of it. And flight assist off. What I do like about the fact that the flight assist off over the um, the previous version uh, in in say first encounters is that you still have the full range of movement. I know they've restricted the speed basically for gameplay purposes, but for some reason it just seems to work. While I found I moving back to the older games which were full of 20 physics, I found that a little bit too much. So uh yeah. Yeah, interesting. I can see myself getting to a point where I, I I'll almost go completely the other way and I'll find turning it on such an unpleasant experience that that'll be quite nice <laughs> that's been my week so um, we're going to be covering all the usual development news in game events we have a store alert for everybody uh, and on top of that we're going to carry on with our ship discussion that we started last week because everyone seemed to like that for some reason and we've got the usual touch on the community corner stuff as well. So we will start tonight with the development news and what have the devs said this week. Well, the first bit of news is a is, a, is kind of a shame, really, but we're kind of happy and sad at the same time. It looks like um, Zach is moving on from Elite Dangerous. He is delighted to say that he's now the junior product manager for uh, the F1 game over at Frontier. So he's super excited to get to work uh, work with and learn from the building team, the brilliant team on that uh, project. And he's, he's looking forward to it. It's a shame to lose him because Zach's always had uh, um, good rapport with the, the community and uh, uh, he's, he always seems to be a, a good one to watch on on the uh, 
<laughs> on on the Frameshift Live. Um, admittedly, they haven't officially said he's left the CM team for Elite Dangerous, but um, you know, F1 I think will be a full time gig. To be honest, so we wish him well. I can't imagine him doing stellar screenshots as well as that. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah. Congratulations, Zach. Sounds like a, a good move. I was I was checking the, uh, the Steam charts for uh, the F1 game. There's still approximately tw- uh, 6,000, 7,000 people playing it every day. And then on top of that, peak players of, of still twelve to 13,000 every day. So that's doing very well uh, for Frontier. So, you know, it's well, it's a big game. And uh, there have been people certain racing drivers already using the stats that that game generates to complement their own engineers <laughs> who would have thought Zach Verstappen was actually mentioning that while driving which was a bit scary I thought that was fantastic oh yeah it's great for- <laughs> so so good for the team as well holy holy crap for Verstappen to go I think your rating should be a 90 I enjoyed that more than anything <laughs> So, yes, it's good to see that they've got traction. And there's a lot of YouTube videos uh, at the moment explaining why the F1 manager game is actually better than the F1 simulator game, uh, the latest version, which uh, I found quite amusing considering my son's desperately trying to get his his rankings up with the uh, the F1 simulator game at the moment. So, um, well, we'll see Tatata to Zach for the moment. Um, The Discovery Scanner came out on Monday. um, And as Sally warned us a couple of of weeks ago, it is a bit light. There is the usual uh, irrelevant take with uh, uh, the Galnet news from from Paul. Uh, So that's always good good for a laugh. Uh, But apart from that, I'm afraid not much else. Um, The other thing we have noticed is that... um, Community events this month are a bit dry. Um, so I think Frontier are, are requesting, if you've got a community event, please let them know so they can put it on the event uh, the event viewer. Um, obviously, Frameshift Live number 18 will be live, and it's going to happen this Wednesday at half five. Um, so, yeah, they're changing the times again. Uh, so um, I do believe there is going to be another... Uh, uh, dev interview, but it'll, it'll have to be recorded this time. Uh, so, yeah, five five fifteen uh, tomorrow. Yeah, unusual time. It's Tom, isn't it? Is it Tom Kuehl, I think? Yes, it, it is Tom. It's weird as well because Stranded Alien Dawn is getting its first stream on the Frontier channel tomorrow as well from like four o'clock. And I thought that was going to be a two-hour, but it's clearly only going to be a one-hour because it has to accommodate... Um, Frameshift Live as well. So I wonder if it's going to be stranded and then a 15-minute break and then straight into the Frontier stream and that's why it's a little later. Where are you getting that it's going to be a um, pre-recorded one? Uh, because basically Tom, Tom mentioned it on Twitter. Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. I wouldn't, I didn't pay attention to that. I just, I'm just looking at the, I, I'm looking at the Discovery Scanner. It's, it's sort of said real life got in the way so he couldn't do a live one. Uh, so, you know, fair play. But, uh, you know, we've got a contribution. Can't complain about a contribution from one of the devs. 
Um, good news on our on the steam numbers. Um, they're up again. This is the sort of like fourth month in a row. We're now back up to um, February's levels, and uh, I think it's because the nights are drawing in. <laughs> um, and surprisingly, it does seem to be consistent uh, with uh, a lot of other games at this moment. I, I blame myself. It's, it's entirely my fault because I streamed off the Steam Deck. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, I see. I don't think my streams count because they're always through the Frontier account, not through the Steam account. But you know, we'll have to, uh, I'll have to do something about that at some point. Um, and the other thing that we did miss from last week's discussion was that we found, um, and we forgot to mention that as far as the crossplay. Um, is concerned between um, 4.0 Horizons and Odyssey. We have found that CQC players um, can actually cross-play against each other with Horizons and Odyssey. We forgot to mention that last week. Uh, so it does mean that um, if you play CQC in either Odyssey or Horizons, you will be able to um, shoot other players. Um, apparently, that was the last thing that went in. Um, and basically, it was it was kind of surprised everybody, including every, everyone on the CQC Discord. So they're 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 actually ecstatic and over the moon. And I think all their events at the moment are in either Four or Odyssey, which we'll, we'll be touching on later. So um, yeah, um, okay. In-game events. How about this? Well, on the twenty eighth of September last last week. Um, Professor Tesseru, fingers crossed I got that right, announced a bid uh, to reform Aegis. So she she went and decided, right, okay, I'm going to call a conference uh, to try and restart the agency. Um, uh, the Federation uh, and the Alliance have sent representatives and the um, Empire told them to sod off, which was... <clears throat> Yeah, that didn't work out too well. Um, and the, the Thargoids retreated from the three systems that they, they attacked, uh, to which um, Senator Petra uh, Petraeus sort of said, this looks like it was they were just testing our defences. Hmm. It, um, they're just seeing what we can throw back at them. He didn't think it was a serious attack. Well, they'll tell that to all the fatalities that happened in that system. Um, and of course, as expected, as predicted, a circuit, the federal forces have now targeted the true chapters. Who saw it coming? I don't know. You must be psychic. I mean, I mean, nothing, nothing could have ever prepared us. We got a psychic psychic. They, they must have listened to live radio and thought that's a good idea. Let's do that. <laughs> it certainly wasn't signalled everywhere. <laughs> no. Nope. nope. So basically, that is that is the current CG, which is basically kick kick some religious nutters. I think <laughs> the godless feds feds are, are off to kill kill religious nutters. nutters. So, um, yep. Let's uh, <laughs> let's see how that goes. Um, federal forces. Um, uh, the delivery campaign to help uh, fund the Imperial charity worked, so that means we got a lot of sloshed Imperials who managed to raise a lot of money. Uh, that's that's the best way that Imperials do, actually, raise money by getting drunk. 
Um, and of course, Senator Petraeus has also warned of uh, the Thargoid Straits. So the militaries for the Alliance, uh, the Empire and uh, the Federation have started to prepare for more alien incursions. Um, apparently, on the 30th of September, they claimed that the FSS has been upgraded to help track um, the Stargoids, or the uh, unidentified interstellar anomalies, as, as they are alleged to have been called. Um, the only problem with that is that a lot of people were there looking at the FFS, FSS, rather, um, to try and work out what had changed. And I must admit, I'm, I'm a little bit confused by that one myself. Yeah, I think the entire galaxy is confused. What's changed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they said, they said there was a firmware upgrade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, my experience of firmware upgrades. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, on the 3rd of October, uh, the conference began making the case for ages where uh, uh, a lot of people were basically discussing what was wrong with the agency what they could have done better and the fact that instead of shooting bad bad alien scum they were also thinking of ways to actually talk to bad alien scum which uh, seemed to go down like a ton of bricks uh, and then finally there was drama today at said conference where um, D2, uh, the poor uh, person who uh, Azimuth experimented on to get to fly psyche, uh, Thargoid spaceships, um, basically turned up at the conference and said, I need, I need help. You're the only one I can talk to, Professor, uh, and ominously warned that nothing, nothing will stop what's coming for us. Um, so, Psychit, I will let you unleash. It's so exciting. It's like, um, I, I obviously I obviously wasn't streaming elite today, but I got like four people coming to my chat and went, you need to read it, you need to read it, you need to stop everything and read it now. Oh my God, it's so good. It's such the drama. It's amazing. I'm so... We've gotten involved in a little bit of a, a debate on our channel and also on the Burr Pit, where we were there thinking, well, surely that disproves this theory that D2 and um, the First Apostle, who's the who's this person who's in charge of the new Far God extremists, are the same person. I agree, absolutely. But I don't think it proves it. I think it proves the opposite, um, which is is great because I really didn't like that. I really didn't like seeing that idea bandied about. I didn't think it had legs and it was getting legs and I was disappointed. And I feel um, l like the fact that she's not she's not described as, um, as that and um, she's a little bit more... Um, seems a little bit more dishevelled and not help, not holding it together, and not like oh crap the the Thargoids they, they should be our friends. It's oh crap the Thargoids are coming and I know what's going to happen. Um, it's not the same. It, it it's not the same vibe. I it it could, you, we could obviously be mistaken and they could be playing they could be playing the long game. Um, but I would be I would be very. I would be very surprised. One thing I did like about this is the fact that she turned up practically in rags. That implies that she's been on the run from um, either 
anybody who wants to silence her, which could range from any of the intelligence agencies to uh, certainly Azimuth will have got uh, a target on her back. Um, I mean, obviously, it's the one person that would probably be willing to hear from her would be the professor from Aegis, which uh, uh, it, it's good to see these things line up. Um, yeah. There was one interesting theory where they, they did say that, okay, she might not be controlling the Stargoids because there was a theory going around where she was controlling the Stargoids, but they could be homing in on her. Potentially. Potentially. I don't know why. I'm not entirely sure why they why they would be because um, it's my understanding that the technology that they put into her to make her interface better they might just want to use her as some sort of communication device at the end of the day some sort of pawn to um to bridge that gap so that they can communicate successfully because their technology is clearly vastly superior to anything that we have um the one thing that um katie um katie has said in in chat now and that's also um like mentioned to me earlier said um, why didn't Tessero recognize her straight away? And it's a possibility that it was a um could all of their um correspondence have been via via email or something like that? Or digital. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a, any communication between them before. She just turned Oh yes, there the was because too. um didn't didn't Tessero release the release the logs from D2 or release the information from D2? Am I am I misremembering that? Ooh, I don't know. I remember the logs being released, but I don't think they were from Professor Tessero. I thought they were just leaked in general, but by the pilot that uh, rescued D two. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait and see how that unfolds. Um, Alec, uh, there was something else about uh, another news item that we missed. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... I can't remember where I saw this, actually. I think it was a tweet from the Burrs initially. But, um, yeah, if you head out to, uh, I think it's like Ibico system, which is A-I-B-I-K-O, something like that. Um, there's a, a new beacon, which is something like the Joy Sen Ice Log beacon. Uh, and if you go out there and scan it, you get three really quite nice audio logs they're in a very different style from um, a lot of previous ones it's like um it's actually joy sen sort of doing an interview and it's like a kind of pop culture very sort of chatty chat show kind of it's quite fun um and you get some pro thargoid decals as well i think i think quite a few of us have got them already i don't think they're brand new but yeah you get to get some free decals and some three really nice audio logs out there so yeah, there's a YouTuber called Ricardo's Gaming. It's he's done a, a he's managed to capture that. Yeah, I, I went and got it. It was good. It was easy. It's not it's not that far. And um, yeah, now the Stargoids themselves um, they are creeping closer, and so far I think everybody's agreeing that it's it's beginning to look like Sol is the main target. So unless they suddenly break off and head in different directions, which they possibly could do. Um, we're looking at maybe a Thargoid major incursion into the heart of humanity itself. Um, mm. Personally, I hope they don't waste the soul system. Bubble burn. Bubble burn. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's funny i've often thought like you know people still hold out hope that one day we can land on on earth or things like that mm-hmm. i've often thought that's incredibly difficult i mean suddenly you've got to start putting google earth into the game you and or, or <laughs> flight sim or um, a much easier thing is just to blow the thing up is exactly what they did in Frontier First Encounters. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, because the uh, when for Frontier First Encounters first came out, they couldn't model uh, the Earth using the new engine. So they just said there'd been a natural catastrophe and the entire thing was brown. And that's why the capital had moved to um, Mars. Um, crash? Cat, I was going to say, you beat me to it by a second. Oh, but sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Worries. no, no the, 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 um, I think it was, was it environmental pollution or something like that. It was, it was like, uh, it was covered in smog, wasn't it? It was like, you couldn't see anything until you got close enough that the number of polygons didn't matter. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that is an interesting way of doing it. You know, it's like we eventually get to land on the earth and the moon and they're just desolate wastelands with, <laughs> with no atmosphere. So, hey. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that's a shame because one of the first things that people do when they when they um, get into the game is they go and visit Sol, and just yeah, flying great. flying around the home planets just it it kind of brings home the majesty of this game in some ways because you can literally fly around your own our our little blue ball and then head out to Saturn and, and Jupiter, which NASA scientists themselves have said that they're really impressed with the way that Frontier have um, rendered the planets and the orbital orbit, orbital mechanics that they, they've included. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I think if, if they go and burn Mars, I'm not bothered about Mars, but if they leave Earth alone, I'd be quite happy. But, uh, well, who's to say... And you can all blame salvation. <laughs> Meanwhile, Crash, you're just running away. You damn right. I'm like, I'm already jumping the carrier. It's <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's that time of week again. Score alert! In the my weekly newsletter, here come paint jobs for you. Well, welcome back. Now, we have to celebrate the fact that one of the prettiest ships in the game is getting some paint jobs. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. It is the Federal Assault Ship, the the brick of space, which, I don't know, I think it's only the T-7, which, in my opinion, looks uglier than this. Um, yeah. It, it's getting some some nice pretty uh, paint jobs. We've got some blue ones. We've got gold ones, green ones, uh, the obligatory pink one, uh, red and teal. Um, yeah, the I must admit the uh, federal assault ship is not my favourite. I've never really found a use for it. Has anybody else actually either fly that ship or find these paint jobs appealing? Kind of. I, this is going way back 
but does anyone remember one of the really famous YouTubers? Um, who was it? Was it Ascorbius or it wasn't Ascorbius? Who was it? Somebody put out about six years ago, maybe more, a really nice video on how to do a base assault with a federal assault ship. Um, you know, it was sort of when we first learned you could basically rain down missiles and um and I, I I went out and bought one immediately specifically to do that, and it was it was good fun actually. I haven't used it since, I don't think. Yeah, I suppose a salt ship is in the title. <laughs> I'm not sure about this paint job. Well, some of them are right, but pink, the pink one's just like no. Why would you? Why would you mix pink with that brick? <laughs> <laughs> the pink brick, crash. Yeah, I, I do like the operator red one. Actually, that's very much my bag. I like yeah. it. a little, little bit of camo in there, black and red. That's quite nice. I, I that, think I might might get the, the FAS set of mothballs and. Yeah, that looks very imperial, actually. You know, mm. as in Star Wars imperial. <laughs> yeah, I quite like the pink one, with the exception of the fact that I don't. I'd like it on a different ship, obviously. But um, I'd also quite like the pink accents on the operator red. I don't know if I like the the purple camo, but it's nice. It's it's all right. I learned I learned how to do combat in a federal assault ship because there wasn't a chieftain or a Mark II, and um, I couldn't afford anything else. And I learned combat in it, and I had so much fun. Combat's my favourite thing in the game, and it's probably because of the federal assault ship. Wow, I, I fair enough. I I can't uh, I can't dispute the fact that you had fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot of people saying that the red actually reminds them a bit of the Russian anti from uh, from the Expanse a bit, which yeah, I can see where they're coming from. Do you know that was in the back of my mind? I think I was going to say that, but I was like, nah, nah, nah. But yeah, definitely, definitely. That's I think that's why I like it so much. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. Maybe I should give the Federal Assault ship another try, but. Um, it just doesn't appeal. Uh, maybe I, I just maybe got I enjoy I enjoyed my cutter too much, well, not my clipper too much, especially when it got engineered. So I never went back to any of the federal ships. So anyway, uh, right, we will move on from there. So we will come back with our main discussion after we've had these messages. Hey, why you messing around with those other handheld toys? Do people still look at you like you're a little space man with, with a ray gun in your pocket? You want guns? We got guns. How much guns do you need? Kinematic weapons, assault rifles, SMGs, rocket launchers, and even a pistol so your mom can feel safe. We were founded in 3240. We've been maiming people since before you were born. It's been clearly proven that nothing shreds through skin like a kinematic weapon. Conquer all! This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 
Three, if you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. Four, go to fuelrats.org and click Get Help. Five, stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? Have you been missold PPI? Python Protection Insurance was missold if you didn't want it, ask for it, or need it. I was missold Python Protection Insurance and I got a claim worth 3,000 credits. At Cowell and McGrath, we are ready to pursue claims for pilots who were sold PPI, even though they didn't have an escape pod. When my partnership was destroyed, the insurance became invalid. I settled out of court for enough credits to restart my narcotics and weapons shipping business. Millions have been missold Python Protection Insurance they can never claim, simply because they don't have an escape pod. Why should you pay for not reading the small print? My husband was missold PPI. As a result of our claim, we now own Jupiter. Cowell and McGrath, turning your carelessness into profitable lawsuits. And welcome back. Well, last week was a bit of a surprise because we didn't expect um, <laughs> going through the old ship models to take so long. But we're, we're about a third of the way through the list. So as we did uh, last week, um, we're going through all the um, old sh- the, the ships from the older games to see whether or not there's actually a place for them in Elite Dangerous themselves. Because um, as as a big thread appeared on the forum saying that it had been something like four years since the last ship was put in. So we're, we're looking through to see whether or not they, they would work. Um, we've had a couple of surprises. People really wanted the interplanetary shuttle. <laughs> Which, yep, fair enough. I'm not going to argue with people. But um, we're going to carry on. We got as far as the letter I. Cheer up, everybody. There's a long way to go yet. Now, the first one that we want I wanted to discuss with people was the Imperial Explorer. Now, this one came from Frontier First Encounters. Um, as you can imagine, it has a massive uh, jump range. Um, it uses a Class 8 hyperdrive, which is one of the, the biggest in the old game. Uh, it isn't all that manoeuvrable, but it is a massive ship, and it looks like how, how should we put this? It looks like you've taken the, the USS Enterprise, but instead of the saucer section being above the nacelles, they've put the saucer section upside down, and it's below the nacelles. I'm sure there's actually a, a Starfleet vessel that's exactly like it, but uh, yeah. What, what do you what do you think to having an Imperial Explorer that looks kind of like a Federation vessel? Everybody, we'll start with we'll start with Crash. <laughs> you read my mind as I was looking at the picture. I was like, yeah, that just looks like how the Enterprise was almost accidentally made before <laughs> before they flipped it. Yeah, so yeah, it's um, I mean, interesting. I I would like to see a larger ship on the Explorer side for sure. I think that's something which the game is kind of lacking at the moment in terms of specialization of ships you've got a lot of multi-purpose ships across the entire kind of backbone you know small medium large um but in terms of a, of a large ship that would be good for exploration that 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 would that would be a nice one and certainly that kind of luxury liner sort of enterprise d sort of look to it i, th- I think that could work yeah i wouldn't mind one of those okay uh what about you alec 
It's interesting. It definitely, um, I, I've seen people calling out for, um, you know, a larger, a large exploration ship. So this would fill that niche. I guess being imperial, it would be. <laughs> it's hard to imagine looking at the picture I'm looking at now, but I imagine it would be pretty. And one key feature of an exploration ship is you want to be able to put it in front of things and take screenshots. So, so hopefully it would be very good at that. The only yeah. downside is that okay. as an explorer. Um, one thing you want to do is land on planets and big ships are not very good at that especially if you're trying to land on top of a very thin ridge of ice very true but then so, again remember yeah. voyager could land on a planet true i guess what we need is is ah aha aha from last week what we need is to be able to deploy the landing shuttle <laughs> there you go. yes we want the interplanetary shuttle in the ship so we can yeah. land the yeah and just leave it an object and the srv in, in the shuttle object. There we go. <laughs> that sounds great. Psychic, what do you think? <laughs> it's so funny. It's really funny looking and I love it. I want it. I want when it lands, I want the the little um the NASA bits to swing round so it sits like a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> so basically uh, the so it's, kind of like, it's kind of like a swing wing with all the the things yeah. come down. Think it's so funny and I love it. It's such a silly design. It looks like it's got a, it looks like it's got like a um a Jar Jar Binks sort of face. If you were looking at it head on, it's got its little eyes at the top and then like a big nose. <laughs> I love it so much. It needs to be in the game. Please put it in the game for dear. Thank you. Like I said last week, you know, I think um I think the the niche, you know, I think that the need for new ships is just to make them look different you know give yeah. people like options in in how their ships look i agree with what you said i didn't i didn't think of it at all but yeah landing with a larger ship though that's um that's going to be a pain so we, we definitely as well if you're doing exobiology then quite often you need to land in fairly rough terrain and you oh, know the, the thing i've gone out in now is um uh just a, a crate and i'm even that is a little bit too big for some of the landings i'm trying to do I, I find that I mean I just going around it with with the asp and I there was it was a planet I, I was looking around on last night and it, it was only like point three g but the terrain features on it there was such depth to it. I don't think I've ever seen a planet with that low gravity but with the actual uh, craters with a significant depth with like uh, very vertical edges. Um, which I thought was very, very strange formation. I, I, I don't recall seeing one like that. But it was a pain. It was absolutely a pain with a medium-sized ship just to land on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we would need some kind of shuttle uh, mechanism there. Either that or the other thing I've wanted for ages, ages, is the ability to um, drop an SRV from low altitude rather oh. than actually having to land. I wanted that so badly. Ever since I, I saw the first prototype of it, and I... Just like, oh, it's just all of these things coming to my head. Oh, we could do this, we can do that. And it, that was one of the things that I wanted to try immediately and it, when it wasn't possible. <laughs> I feel like it would be so easy to implement. I mean, you'd only allow it below, well, I mean, you wouldn't have to put a, an altitude on it, but if they wanted to, they could say you can only deploy it below, I don't know, 500 meters and you get a warning if you do. And it says, warning, you know, are you sure you want to drop it? <laughs> yeah. are you are you sure it's 2.25 or 2.5 yeah. g's here you're gonna crater the second you drop <laughs> it screens for um uh like team gameplay as well like that um playing together that this that um, frontier really want us to to do this there's got to be something really uh, there's got to be a race in it somewhere um 
where you can just sort of like race out and then drop another racer in a um in a buggy going full whack aiming to oh, hit yeah. somewhere. I love it. I love it. Um moving on to the Imperial Trader. Um I I know a little bit I mean I I, I lack a little bit on the uh first encounter ships, but definitely for the for the Frontier Elite Two ships I I can name them all probably still from memory. So this was the uh, the kind of three nacelle upgrade over the Imperial Courier, uh, larger you know larger ship, more more cargo capacities, obviously based on the name of it. Um, I mean, I I enjoyed it. It it was it was a it was a good fun ship to fly. It was nice when you got to that level in the game and you could you could upgrade it. I do feel though that the the Clipper kind of takes that position already. Mm-hmm. I, I just, uh, I don't, interesting. yeah, I just, I, I don't feel like there's a slot for it where we stand right now. Is this not just, um, as well as being like a sort of three nacelle redesign of the courier? Is it significantly bigger than the imperial courier? Then it, it was quite a bit larger. Yeah, I think looking at the other one, I mean, what's this one? It's uh, a payload of five hundred and twenty-five tons. I think the courier is around two to three hundred, I believe. Um. I'll have to go check that now. I, I can remember the names off the top of my head, but uh, remembering all the stats is a little is a little push. Um, but yeah, it was um, it, it was a nice upgrade when you got to it. So there you go, three hundred and fifty tons on the on the courier. The thing is, this is one of those one of the one ships when when um, we first discussed about doing this uh, about doing this, and I was like, oh. God, I'm not going to know any of these ships. I'm not going to know absolutely anything. You're just going to be talking to me about um, all of the all of the ships and what's going on, and I will just be like, I don't have a, a a Scoobies what you're on about. The Imperial Trader is one I actually recognise because people have sung its praises to me before, like um, outside of this. Um, it's. I agree that it doesn't look right. It it doesn't it doesn't like fit feel like it would fit a fit a role or anything along those lines. However, it does look pretty. It, it, yeah, it, it is. It is, a is it my imagination or is the Imperial Trader the ship that's in the very famous um, like intro sequence? You know the little da 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 da. Ah, that that I believe that was the courier. Yeah, it was courier versus two eagles in the. Okay. Okay. The, yeah. But yeah, I, I think... I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not aware of that. <laughs> that must be before my day. <laughs> I think you would know the, the the cliff I mean if you saw it. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's it's nice. I mean, I could see it possibly if there if there is space for it in, in Elite Dangerous, it would be fitting somewhere in the medium ships because I don't think we've got an equivalent ship uh, Imperial wise there. I mean, the courier is small. The clipper goes up into the large, so maybe having something with a more compact footprint with that third nacelle above to keep the kind of classic style of it. Um, I think I think that could fit as a medium ship. I, I can't see a specific role for it, though. I think it would be a kind of an all-purpose ship, and I would struggle to find a, a, a role that it would fill. And it would it's, just gather dust somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's design does give me one other thought. I mean, it, it slightly reminds me of, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, um, one of the Thunderbirds, the Space Thunderbird, the, the orange one with the three kind of nacelles that looks more like a traditional rocket. But what I was thinking was, and we don't have this in Elite yet, we, we have some ships that animate on landing, like the um, the Chieftain, you know, and the, the DBX does a little thing. It'd be quite cool to have a ship that rotates 90 degrees on landing and lands on its backside, 
Yeah, that would be cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And then I was trying to think whether I would want the cockpit to rotate or whether it would actually be quite fun if you literally landed on your back. Yeah, so that I... when you landed, you were looking up into space. I mean, there's no inherent problem with that. It'd be quite interesting. You, Hard to you... do manually, I suppose. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was one of the things I was so pleased that I managed it. I didn't realize it was possible, but I actually did do it once. I think the stream VOD is long since gone, but I was flying the Lion Trader, I think it was, in, in uh, FE2 on stream on a very high G world. And uh, if I was just in a normal horizontal position, I was just dropping. Uh, so I tilted backwards and landed on the oh, rear of the ship. Geez. I didn't think that was possible. But because I was going so slowly, it let me do it. And I managed to land facing vertically. I was, I was so pleased with that. I was like, wow. And I was impressed that the physics actually calculated it correctly. I, I was expecting to just explode on impact, but it actually worked. Kestrel air fighter, should we plow on? I should, I, I should try and fill the, fill the boots of, of the old grey. Well, it's the, it's the Kestrel air fighter then. This looks like a, another oh. one of our atmospheric planets. Atmospheric yes. ships. Yeah, I, I remember playing with one of these for a while, actually. I think, candid admission, pretty sure that I used the uh, the exploit to hollow it out and make the internal storage capacity like thousands of tons so I could fit all kinds of crazy equipment to it. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a great little fighter. It's I, I could see it as being something that would work as a, a ship launch fighter, maybe. I the, the size of it, it's just again, like you said, it is. It was a designed as almost like a suborbital fighter uh, ship. Is this a larger or smaller version of the Falcon? And I think we covered the Falcon last week. Yeah, yeah. The um, the Kestrel, and I think the Hawk as well was very, very similar. Very, very tiny um, little fighter ships. Um, quite difficult to actually achieve anything in game with them. They were uh, very 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 limited uh with the gun mounting and whatnot uh, i think they were uh, fixed to military drives you couldn't install anything else and that was mainly because of the internal storage uh its uh, capacity there was no way you were going to fit like a class one hyperdrive <laughs> in it but, the um, description yeah. i'm reading says um describes it as somewhat of a sports car of ships fast but <laughs> not particularly comfortable or practical which makes me think of the mamba a little bit <laughs> and i wonder if this falls into a similar slot this was tiny though this is what i mean i i think uh well we don't we don't really have stats on the size of it but i imagine this thing is being somewhere closer to like uh, uh the the taipan fighter it's it's a tiny little thing smaller than an eagle for sure right oh empty mass 20 tons that's yeah tiny tiny little thing but great fun stinky it was, then yeah it, do, it does look fun <laughs> it was it's amazingly responsive it was so much fun to play with but like i said totally impractical you couldn't do anything else with it I, th I think we can cover the crate mark one can't we i mean it's like the uh, cobra mark one this is the strange thing about what they did with the with the mark ii when it was added see the the crate was a much smaller ship in the earlier games um it was more of a kind of a, a single person small fighter i mean you can see from from the stats on there it's only about double the size of the kestrel you know it was it was a tiny tiny little ship and and, and uh not really designed for much much else other than fighting and then when obviously they introduced the mark ii into elite dangerous they went completely the other side of things and made it a, a medium size uh all-purpose ship that can do a bit of everything um so yeah a bit of bit, bit of an oddity in the 
in the uh, elite world how they uh, jumped from it being one type of ship to a completely different thing. Oh god, the crate mark one. Yeah, that that was basically a hunk of junk, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> it was always you used to get attacked constantly by a couple of crates and a couple of sidewinders, and they they tried to overwhelm you in packs. And we thought, oh, it must be a decent ship. And then when they actually got to fly it in front of your first encounters, you went, oh, no wonder they were so easy to kill. Oh, oh. but the crate mark two, I think, well. It's pretty close to a perfect, a perfect all-rounder ship, the Great yeah. Mark II. So I think, I think we all love it. I know Arthur's sick of it, but there's a reason why we all go on about it so much. It is nice. Yeah, I had a thought for these things like the Great Mark One and the, and the Cobra Mark One that we covered last week. Mm-hmm. They could put the shell in the game without bothering to go through the trouble of working out the cockpit, so it's not a flyable ship. But we could have crashed Great Mark Ones. Or you you know some of the engine I'm trying to think some of the engineer bases have a load of um load of wrecks scattered around the outskirts of the base. We could have a whole load of crate mark one wrecks at a junkyard or something. Oh that'd imagine, be nice. Imagine if they, they, they started doing that with um like a new ship that was coming in the game and they've been they've been teasing a new ship for weeks of this new ship being in the game by putting wrecks of it everywhere and nobody's Ooh, noticed. Imagine that. Imagine nobody yeah. noticed. This is great. Oh, well, we've been teasing it for weeks. What are you talking about? Oh, there's some amazing new ship that slowly gets more and more built up at an engineer's base, you know. Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. Every month it gets a little bit more finished off. Yeah. Well, they, moving... Okay. That's right. Uh, yeah, um, the crate, I mean... I think I think we'll, we're happy with the crate mark two. I don't think we need the crate mark one, do we? <laughs> it was a good little ship. <laughs> it was a good little ship if it was a flying coffin. The first thing you'd do after after getting a crate mark one was sell it and get a Cobra mark three. <laughs> <It was, laughs> so a bit like yeah. the ass, a bit, a bit like the um, adder then. <laughs> Again, go wipe, go go wash your mouth out with soap and water. Um, right. Well, on the subject of um, <laughs> subject of ships that need basically flushing, um, we have the Lana and the Lana Two. Now, I must admit, when I looked at these, I I just <laughs> even <laughs> even the reviewer can't stand them. I don't even remember even flying them. Um, both are basically about Cobra Mark Three sizes. And I quote, um, verdict, not typically a ship you'd want to keep long term, and it isn't going to win any beauty contests either. To which it says, um, very poor rotation speed, very poor engines, very poor missile capacity, very poor price, very poor design, very poor frontal cross section, and very poor attempt at a ship. Um, yeah, its acceleration was was eight G, which was horrendous compared to the Camp Panther Clipper, which was a massive battleship of a ship, and that had six G. The only advantage of it is 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 basically if you put a big enough hyperdrive in it, it could go far, but um, you could do nothing else with it really. Sounds like the perfect racer. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's got very poor rotational speed and very poor engines. 
yeah, I'm not sure about her. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you um, you must have misheard me. I said it sounds like the perfect racer after you gave me all that information. Maybe we should make it the uh, regulation class ship for next I'm year. down. I'm down. Totally <laughs> down. <laughs> Hardcore oh. mode. <laughs> well, if you didn't like that one, then you could always try the Lana Mark II, which basically said it's a, pretty, a bit prettier, but there's not much else to say. In fact, it says there wasn't anything good about the Lana for the Lana 2 to actually improve on. Do we think the person who wrote this might not have liked the Lana? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I'm getting that from. <laughs> yep, I completely agree. Considering it disadvantaged, the Lana 2 takes everything that was bad about the Lana and makes it worse. <laughs> oh, yes. That's the new regulation ship. Yep, sounds good, sounds good. Yeah, it does look like um, it did actually have uh, a centripetal artificial gravity generator. In other words, a rotation section in the middle. But apparently, if you pulled <laughs> if you pulled high G in that, it broke. <laughs> so he, it's always got me about having those kind of rotation rotating sections in a ship. So that means you're flying along but spinning round at the same time. Oh God, you wanted you'd throw up. As long as you, do, if you looked out the window, surely. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not many pros versus the cons there. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on from pros and cons to something which I think, for some reason, Ben would probably like. We have the lifter. Now, the lifter was uh, an unpowered. Well, it didn't have a hyperdrive, so basically, it was in system only, and its entire purpose was just to lift up big, heavy cargo canisters and drop them off somewhere else. <laughs> so, can you kind of think a heavier version of the interplanetary shuttle? Loved the lifter, loved it. It was completely useless. You couldn't hyperspace anywhere. It was just, it, it was just like a challenge ship, wasn't it? It's was just like, can I do anything useful with this thing? You know? Yeah. It, all you could do was basically take seven tons of cargo from one planetary port to another <laughs> barely make any profit in the process but yeah it was great i mean i loved the little rotating engine designs it was almost like a tiny little baby version of the panther Camry. you know it was like the teeny tiniest version of that but where i see that as being a great spot in the game is if we could have more like npc ships like unflyable ships just little things going around ports just doing their business not necessarily, because uh, we were mentioned that with one of the earlier ones there, not necessarily uh, a cockpit and all that laid out in it. Just little, little traffic, little little bit of background noise. Yeah, good point, because it's, it's it's much easier, well, I'm guessing much easier to design an non-flyable ship. Mm. Yeah, good point, actually. Yeah, because yeah. you, you don't have to worry about anything like where the internals are going to go, which I, I do know they have worried about, because you can see where the... Um, Sometimes when you there's a bug where um, if another ship lands on you and it doesn't crash, if you see what I mean, then you can see the inside of that ship and you can see where the cockpit is and where the um, the SRV bay is and, and they, they're different in all the ship designs I've seen so far. So they've, they've kind of planned the layout. They just haven't been able to implement it. Yeah. yeah. One thing I'm curious about with the lifter from the picture I'm looking at, does it 
put its cargo kind of on the outside. You know, there's some mega ships, and they literally have like the big sort of cargo containers strapped in in sort of eight by eight by three chunks of sort of almost like a cage full of. Is that how it works? It's just yeah. on the outside. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's exactly that. They basically strap. It reminds me a little bit of the. Um, Oh, was it the Eagle spaceship from Space 1999? Yes. But yes. Where, you know, you had big cargo canisters, and the, if you got rid of the cargo canister, the, the Eagle was just basically this, um, how shall I put it, wire-framed lattice with engines and a cockpit. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the, the pods would be all different that these things could carry. But people love that blooming ship. Uh <laughs> It, the elite equivalent doesn't look great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it would be a very useful player ship, but definitely as, as like little kind of background scenery things, you can imagine around a settlement or something, it's hopping from a construction site and back bringing uh, equipment and stuff. I think it would be great as a little flavor thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I love it. That would look good, wouldn't it? Right, well, moving on to the next one, which is the Lion. Now, this thing reminds me of the T7, the way that it's it's kind of specced. So basically, it would be a medium to large trader, um, very lightly armed, um, about as manoeuvrable as a brick, uh, and as slow as a brick. And put it, But it looks, and unlike the T7, apparently it will look nice. <laughs> Um, it says on this one, the lion is slow, underarmed, underpowered, and underranged, and lacks a bottom turret. Um, also, firing the top turret can damage the ship. Yeah, I did that. Not again. <laughs> Not again. Um, it's, it reminds me of that bit in Indiana Jones, where as you fired the turret, you took out the back of the plane. <laughs> Um, it it says that its cross section from any angle is large and easy to score a hit on, and but when an assassination target is flying a lion, the assassin the assassin has a very easy time of it. <laughs> Verdict: Great ship as long as your assass- as it's your assassination target. So <laughs> it was it was a fun little ship, and I I think going back to the time I I was playing around on stream with it i think i challenged myself to take it out exploring which was <laughs> terrible at it was absolutely terrible at but um yeah it was it was a fun little ship but i really don't see a place for that in, in elite dangerous other than the, the tiana's a scrapyard maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she's dummy thick that's what you say yeah. Yeah. we should do all the rejects as we go down the list it's like right send that one to tiana isla off you go <laughs> Very true, very true. Um, right, next up we have the Mantis, which um, I'm unfamiliar with. But, uh, yes, this one was was um, designed by the ancestors of the, the present engineer, Turner, in, in Alioth. Uh, and basically, it, it looks like sort of a, a kind of brick, but instead of engines at the back, you've got this big bowl thing. Um it's it's kind of like the third biggest ship in Frontier First Encounters. It's a big trader. Or um so the equivalent of maybe a T nine. But really short range, of course it'll have really bad maneuverability. Um it does seem to have a couple of decent 
Well, it's it's actually quite heavily armed with some, with at least four gun mountings. So you know you'd have, I'd, I'd imagine quite a quite a few turrets protecting you more than the T nine does. Um, do you think we need another another trader like that? Mm, I, I I just I can't see a place for that. I mean, particularly with with the shape and the design of it, with that. Um, I mean. It's got back. I'll give it that with that big sphere on the. On the I, rear. I have to ask. I don't know if anyone knows because the wiki doesn't reveal anything. But um, what was the ball? <clears throat> was the ball was, was just a... the ball was the engine? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got a no idea about the the ball. It, it's it's just like okay, um, we're kind of running out of ideas here. I know. Let's put a ball on the back of the ship. <laughs> I feel I feel like that entire design was around about the time they were experimenting with different methods of drawing primitive shapes in the engine. It was like, wow, we can use this now. Let's 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 put a sphere in because we can. Up the new sphere drawing algorithm. Let's have got to get this in the game. <laughs> got to squeeze it in. Well, actually, that was something interesting in Frontier First Encounters, wasn't it? Because they were able to do or able to render curves really well in that engine. It's well ahead of its time. Fancy. Yeah, yeah, it was really clever. Basically, curves on it. Yeah, I, I feel like this one is just going to get in the mail slot, ball deep, and <laughs> <laughs> it's just imagine if you could get the entire ship in, but you couldn't get the ball through the slot. Did we? Did you? Oh said. my god! I want to get ball deep in that mail slot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge me. Don't judge me. this pickup line of ever my <laughs> it's very select clubs where that might work you know? episode title right there all <laughs> <laughs> even the mail slot there we go <laughs> well, yeah that's certainly keep, keep Ben happy with it. Ben's going to be like I cannot believe I missed that episode <laughs> uh, uh, oh dear <laughs> right Yes, well, uh, let's, let's 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 try and get a little bit of decorum back, shall we? Um, right, on to a favourite of one of our um, uh, of our ex presenters, um, the Merlin. Now, this is actually a quite a famous ship, due to the fact that the Merlin is the ship that um, uh, Commander Jarvis or Commander Thane rather flies in escape velocity. Now, originally, um, I thought it must be a fantastic ship, the way that it, it was portrayed. Um, however, um, when you actually see it, God, it's ugly. <laughs> it is absolutely... It make, um, it's got similar uh, performance to the, um, the Cobra, uh, as far as manoeuvrability is concerned, but it's a lot lighter armed, and it, it doesn't carry as much... Um, in the way of weapons, but uh, yes, and it, it's it's decent, but it's not the best. But and it's got a tri-wing design. The problem is, it looks great from the side, but from the front, oh, it's it's like it hit every ugly asteroid on the way in. <laughs> Crash. It's, it's got some interesting things. I mean, look at it. It's rotationally symmetric uh, three-wing design, but like like you said, but when it lands, I didn't notice that the, the wings actually splay out uh, to make room for the landing gear to come down and for it to land flat, which is which is interesting. 
Um, I, I've got to admit, I don't recall actually trying that ship out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I've got, we'll have to ask Alan and um, Chris why they chose the Merlin. Because you would have thought if they were doing uh, a ship, uh, doing the radio play uh, about Elite Dangerous, they would they would have chosen a, a a Cobra. Maybe a Cobra would have been too obvious, but I know I know Chris has got a uh, a soft spot for the tri wing design because he's a big fan of Blake Seven. But mm. was the protagonist not rich enough to afford a Cobra? I can't. Uh... Well, this is this is pretty much um, a, a cheap wreck of a ship, to be oh, honest. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably well, he stole it. And if you spoiler alert for escape velocity, but yeah, it, it's, it's Commander Thane stole this ship in order to escape the the life he was leading. But um, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you should actually have a look at the des- the design in. Um, uh, EDRPG. What made me laugh was that um, Oliver thought, oh my goodness, thought like me listening to Escape Velocity, he thought the Merlin must be fantastic because the way the way it comes across on, on the radio play. And so they put it in the EDRPG and he, he was looking through it and went, I don't know why I put it in. It just looks so <laughs> bad. I don't know, like a like a reskin for Elite Dangerous, like a small ship like that, which from what you're describing to me, it splutes when it goes to land and kicks its back end out like a little puppy when it does its legs backwards. I'm I'm quite <laughs> it I'm, spreads. I'm, it, it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay, um, it's still. I think it's still quite cool. It's like another. It's like a different design. Maybe they could rework it a little bit so you know it's more feasible as a ship. Um, but it might be like another alternative. We I talked about like an alternative to um, Imperial ships that wasn't the Viper last yeah. week, something like that. But maybe another one like that, uh, another like alternative small ship because small ships. Yes. Or a, a very good way forward in Odyssey, and it's yeah. kind of lacking. Yeah, I, I'll completely agree with the small ships because the small ships are. Um, I'm having a lot more fun in Odyssey since moving down to a small ship. I mean, yeah, it's okay in the <coughs> it's okay in the Asp, but once I've moved, oh, good grief, that's that so bad. If if someone misheard that, but <laughs> <laughs> I won't judge. But I, yeah, someone is going to re-edit that. I just know it. But um, having moved down to the Cobra, I much prefer Odyssey flying about on the Cobra. Yeah, for sure. Smaller ships are, are, are great fun in EDO. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we're going to move on to probably the one that everybody wanted to talk about, which is the Moray. Now, the Moray is a special ship because this is... Um, specially made for water worlds. It's kind of a submarine that can also fly in space. Um, it's also been that <laughs> Samore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we also have Craig who's listening. Thank you. Um, it's it's basically what looks like. Well, how would how would you describe it, Crash? It. it uh... It's almost like a cobra flying backwards, isn't it? It's got the, it's got the short, stubby front end, but then it's got a longer, sleek tail, isn't it? It's a really weird uh, shape to it. Um, I mean, 
goodness knows how they've managed to make it both, uh, you know, survive zero atmospheres and down to, <laughs> you know, several several multiples. But uh, yeah, it is. I perhaps that's why they had to pick the strange shape. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously is is that shape apparently to to handle the pressures underneath or of the uh, uh, of of the water. But um, obviously, I think if we ever get Water Worlds, this is the ship that should come with it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I think everybody would want Subnautica style gameplay with with what happens. But uh, yeah. Interesting. I wonder if Frontier would go that route or whether they'd um, opt for something that could sort of deploy a submarine. Yes, please. Uh, yes, please, very much. Please, yes, please. Thank you. So basically, as, instead of an SRV, you have a submarine. Uh, I, I want to live my Thunderbird 2, Thunderbird 4 fantasy. Let yes. me have this, please. Yes. Like you can you can go in your Marais Starboats as much as you want. I I would lo- very much like to like to be a Thunderbird. Thank you kindly. Would you like to have a big mo- was it called the mole as well? <laughs> the mole. It can dig its own tunnels. Yeah, that's the mole, not yeah. the mole. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh God, you can't believe that I'm able to remember Thunderbird machinery. It's, what is wrong with me? You know Probably. what? Speaking of Thunderbirds, I shouldn't because we're we're running late. But somebody posted a clip. It was um, it was a clip of like a giant sort of aeroplane that had a bomb on board landing, and it had lost its landing gear. And the Thunderbirds were driving these three sort of lorries to act as its landing gear. It was just brilliant. It was such a tense scene. I couldn't not watch it to the end. It was. It, it wasn't a bomb on board. This was the time in the 60s when they thought everything would be nuclear-powered. Right. So basically, it was a nuclear-powered plane, and everything had a small reactor on it. So basically, you had nuclear-powered cars, and nobody cared about the... Re- it was very much like Fallout, you know, where everything is nuclear-powered, and oh, who cares whether or not it blows up. Um, right. Um, well... I think we'll carry on to the Panther Clipper because for the next two are actually quite interesting. Um, we have the Osprey and the Osprey X. Now, both of these are Imperial fighters. Um, they very much re- uh, remind me, the Osprey especially reminds me of the Imperial fighter. And the Osprey X looks like a cross between what would happen with an X-Wing if it was in the Flash Gordon universe. So basically it's all curves, X-Wing, shapes that that sweep forward and i i i'm not sure about the osprey but i think i'd love the osprey x because it's sort of the imperial equivalent of a vulture i agree the osprey x looks really yeah can imagine it being really elegant it's um it'd look good in pictures wouldn't it oh yeah it goes back to that it goes back to with the redesign would that look good in pictures yes yes it would i will have that please i don't care what it flies like yeah, I mean, I think the Osprey, and um, it's it's really covered by the Imperial fighter, because um, it it basically is the most manoeuvrable ship in the game. It it uh, it can outturn a um, a an eagle. So, yeah, yes, please. I think we'll have this one. Yep. Okay. So everyone agrees with the Osprey X, not so much the Osprey, and then finally the one that we're going to talk about tonight is one which has also been requested quite a lot. It is the legendary 
Panther Clipper. I've never heard of that ship. What is that? <laughs> it's the biggest, biggest cargo vessel there has ever been. It has ma- been mentioned quite often in a lot of the flavor text. Uh, and there's also been hints of it actually being shown off on other streams, which we don't really go into, but we've we've seen things about it. Um, Crash. I want this so bad. I, I've wanted this since day one. I Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't even know what I would do with it. It would just be like my prized possession. It's... <laughs> For me, for me as a kid, that was like the ultimate thing. Once I finally achieved getting that in in FE two, it was like, yes, I've made it. it like, I didn't care about getting to elite rank. I didn't care about getting loads of money, exploring. But it was that. That was my goal. And it's like, I just want it. I want those rotating engines. I want that giant chunky girth to it. You know, it's like even if it doesn't fit in the mail slot, I just want it. <laughs> I should point out to everybody, it basically looks like the front of the Battlestar Galactica, but with huge engines at the back, you know, along the side. That, that, that's effectively the design. And it was that massive, it just, you just put shield generators on it and just rammed your way through pirates. That, that's <laughs> what you did. Amen. <laughs> Alec? Yeah, so I think Crash answered my first question. So it it doesn't fit through the mail slot, right? Which is problem number one, I guess. Yeah. And and the little end. So the engines do they um, rotate a bit like the keelback? Yes, that's exactly what they do. So if if they tick off, it, basically the, the four engines would point down, and it uh, it's it's very much like a Harrier jump jet. You'd lift up like that, and you'd see those four engines blast off. And as you begin to, to pitch up, the, the engines would still stay pointing down until you could basically go for a full vertical launch. It, it was quite impressive to watch in, in back in the day. I would love to see what, the, what Frontier could do with it. It's like it. It's, it's, it's conspicuous by its absence at this point, isn't it? It what is. What do you say? More, more so than anything else on the, on the list, given, given everything that we know, the... Panther Clipper, or what is it, the Clipper XL? I feel, I, I just, I just feel that she come in, and oh lord, she come in, because um, she gonna be thick, and I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think that I think it's gonna be interesting. Um, it might be, it might serve a different function in um, Elite, especially if it in, in Elite Dangerous, especially if it doesn't fit through the mail slot, because we'd, we'd then have to look at like other ships to add to transfer cargo to a mail stop, for example, and things along yeah. those lines. Um, but it's, it, it just makes me giggle just even talking about it seriously. <laughs> I know that there's been so, so much um, speculation about this one particular ship. Um, ironically, and that's, that's not the one that I really wanted. <laughs> I must be the only person that, when I heard that it, there's a possibility of that's the ship coming in the game, I just went, oh. <laughs> Everyone else went, yay! And I just went, oh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, David Braben did say that there was a possibility of there would be ships that would be too big for the mail slot to get get through. So it could be a case of maybe at that point we have the smaller ships to to transfer cargo, but uh, oh, we can only hope. I'd love to see that mechanic in. 
Yeah, it's, I was going to say. it's a tricky one, isn't it, for Frontier? I mean, it, it's more than just a ship design. That there's quite a lot in that. Like if you if you deploy a shuttle, let's say, mm. then first of all, you're not going to be able to transfer anything like the clippers full cargo into that shuttle so you'd have to do loads of runs backwards and forwards which is a pain mm. and then you've sort of got this abandoned ship so if you go into the station and then dock and then switch from your shuttle to a different ship i don't know it it, it, it raises a lot of problems for frontier i suspect yeah which is probably one of the reasons why it's not made an appearance just yet yeah yeah I think I think this is why we need the, the lifters and you know the the NPC drones and all just ferrying things back and forth. So you park up outside a station and you pay a, a fee to offload and, and load up. <laughs> it would mitigate like a need to have. Um, it would mitigate people saying, "Or oh, you have like an unfair advantage." I hate I hate the idea of people saying that just you bought a bigger ship, so you have an unfair advantage. But it would go some way to alleviate their concerns if you're having to pay a fee, not albeit not substantial, but pay a fee to transfer from your Panther Clipper to your to your what's it? You know what I mean? To the to the ship to the station. Yeah, I mean, I must I must admit there was a lot of things that uh, I didn't like about the Panther Clipper, but one of the things I did like was the aesthetics of its taking off and landing, and that uh, from especially from planets because uh, that looked impressive. I mean, I'd I'd like it if see it, the only place it could land would be a planetary port. That would be interesting. Yeah, I don't think that would get old. I think I'd just sit there dismissing it and recalling it and dismissing it and recalling it. Just, <laughs> just to see those engines in action. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I must admit, yeah. The, the more people talk about it with this kind of enthusiasm, the more I want to see it now, which is, which is good. Now, there are a few ships left, which I think we'll cover next week. This subject lasted three weeks. Yay! <laughs> Maybe four if we're lucky. <laughs> um, so, Alec, I mean, quickly, we, you, we had some responses from uh, your question about this very subject. We got, um, yeah, if you want I, to go through them. Oh, oh, are these the remaining ones on the show notes? Because we didn't quite get through them all. Um, no. Uh, so, Northpin commented it was a response to something last week, and I can't quite remember what. I think it was on the ship that was described as being taller than it was wide and had to go through the mail slot sideways. I think it was that one, and Northpin just suggested that uh, it was a B-wing the size of a Panther Clipper, which I, th- I think you suggested it was like a big B-wing. So, Yeah, a, a beluga-sized B-wing. I think that would be great. Imagine you, you imagine the, the sort yeah, of massive sort of vertical like ship like uh i don't know like the mothership from homeworld that has I, to you know I, around. I, I really uh, the idea of going through the mail slot sideways really appeals because i mean i think a lot of people it's misleading the size of the mail slot so if you're in something tiny like uh you know a sidewinder or an illegal or something you can easily go through the mail slot sideways but it, it feels so wrong <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Well, so we had a comment from Angus Madmac One, who was looking for um, a decent medium imperial ship. I think we've touched on a couple of those tonight, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact he he's like you, psychic. He'd like a Thunderbird Two or a Space Nineteen Ninety Nine Eagle, mm-hmm. which is yeah. basically modular. 
and 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 lastly, Ed Zapp was Ed Zapp was speaking our language and just said he'd love all the ships of elite, which basically equates to elite one to three. Uh, yeah, I think we're uh, <laughs> we're going down that list, and I think we've agreed that the ones that don't go in the game can go in the tier Nisla graveyard, so they can all go in the game. Yes, I think I think that is that is uh, yes. We want the the graveyard in, guys. Come on. <laughs> We'd like that. Thank you very much. Right, we're going to move on to the community corner for the moment. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Psychic, like I think we'll have to. You'll have to take this one. Yeah, I, I can. I can. Um, I know. I know. This is this is the this is the other podcast that I do. Um, Flight Assist is taking a bit of an indefinite hiatus at the moment. I might have touched on. Um, I, I might have touched on something which might indicate as to why <laughs> um, a little bit earlier in the in, in the show but there is there's a little bit of column a a little bit of column k uh, uh, sorry a little bit of column m a little bit of column k and a metric fuck ton of column c which is um stopping um stopping all of it from um from happening at the moment um but um we we're on an indefinite hiatus we're reviewing it at the beginning of next year and um, I, it's something I really love to do. And I just wanted to make sure that I vocalised it on another platform to say, because I know there's a lot of crossover between between the podcast type things. So hopefully we will be back soon, health permitting. Fingers crossed. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> I, know, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm going to miss play assist because um, I, do, I do like the fact that you've got the, this absolutely standard template to follow but all the answers are different this is great but yeah um, I, hope, I hope that it come. I, I really do hope that it comes back but there are a lot of mitigating factors that need to need to fit into place and um because I, I love it to pieces and i really do and i i love um i love doing i clearly i very much enjoy doing podcasts um and not having not having that as another creative outlet is is definitely something that's really upsetting but for the best are you we, still doing the monday replays like it or are those not at the moment no we're gonna have those on hold as well okay that's right well we are, we have something else as well from from the Burrs and Cannon. Apparently, this is the Ballad of Gino, the Gnosis Jin. Uh, I've got no clue what this is. It's a it's a um, LCU um, and another another person whose name I I do not know, but she has a beautiful voice. Um, singing, it's a um, a take on a Frank Frank and Nancy Sinatra. Piece the ballad of I can't remember. I'm really struggling, <laughs> um, but it's um, yeah, the ballad of Bonnie and Clyde or something. No, like no, it's no. not. It's a, it's a it's something wine. I think is the name of the other song, but I can't remember for the life of me. Um, but it's LCU and this woman with an absolutely beautiful voice singing along to um, a video by the Burpit. It's a lovely collaborative piece and quite funny because it's. LCU doing his usual stuff, but um, yeah, check it out. Excellent. I will, I will, uh, I will, I'll give that a listen or and a watch later. Um, right. Well, Alec, it's done. It's the reason why you ran away, but let's <laughs> go over it. The last gasp has had its results. 
And we've also got the eight build eight bowl championship results as well. Take it away. We have indeed. How how to cover this? I don't really. Um, yeah. So the last gasp. Um, it it was a sensational finish. I wish I sort of could have shared this with people because the the, the you know the, the the finish was basically me going through the last. There was a lot of submissions on the Sunday. I think everyone had saved up their best runs for the last day. Um, and there were people running right up to the sort of midnight wire. So when I got into work on Monday morning, I had a good 15 or 16 submissions to check through. Um, and they were all over the place. I mean, the top four places in regulation shuffled around on the last day. Um, we had a new first on in Unlimited on the last day. And it was brilliant. You know, somebody would come in second and beat somebody else and then somebody else's submission would turn up in my inbox you know half an hour later and beat them it was all over the place um but yes our winners um for the last gasp in regulation were we had brusky in third place in the flaming onion head express mm-hmm. um uh, a late showing from Elastomafer, who's the commander name of uh, Osric, um, one of the mods here, and um, in second, and the the um, <laughs> but frankly unbeatable Shay Blackwood in first place. Who people who haven't taken part in the race won't fully appreciate this, but Shay Blackwood managed to push it to one thousand four hundred and fifty three light years, which is just just insane. I mean, unbelievable. The dis- you know to, to to go that far and come back in the time available. Was that regulation? That was regulation. Yeah, Holy one, shit. you know, by comparison, Osric in second place was one thousand two hundred. So he managed to get another two hundred and two hundred odd light years. Incredible. Uh, and in unlimited class, uh, Sulu ended up in third place. Bravo, Sulu. Um, Shay Blackwood ended up knocked down to second, and Brisky came in with in first place. Uh, interesting thing about the unlimited class actually was that all three of the final podium winners ended up in ASP Scouts, which I think is great because I, I think the ASP Scout gets uh, gets a bit of a kicking from the community, and it, it's fabulous to find that it 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 it's found it's, it's, it's found place. its use. I, I think who would have thought the ASP Scout would have worked for Buckyballing? Yeah, it can to- do exactly fifty light years. <laughs> That's the thing. Two reasons. We had a we had a fifty light year maximum limit on outfitting. So you could outfit your unlimited ship however the hell you want, but it couldn't go more than fifty light years. So the ASP Scout just tucked into that. And it has really good super cruise maneuvering. And what that means in a buckyball race is that you can really hammer it to your destinations and let that ETA get down to sort of two seconds or one second and then pull these really tight super cruise turns that apply massive braking effects so yeah asp scout for the win who'd have thought it and then it brings us on to the final results then it does indeed so having done that on that was that was that was my monday basically going through that spreadsheet and then uh tuesday i then transferred all the points across to the big eight ball championship Mm -hmm. so the idea with the eight ball championship was we had eight races started back in february um was it that long ago Yep. Wow. So from February through to October, um, each race lasts. So we run all our races from Saturday to the following Sunday. So they're all nine days. Mm. So that is 72 days of racing throughout 3308 in this championship, which is quite a, 
a good statistic. Uh, yep. I had, for last gasp, I had 60-odd submissions, I think, about 65 submissions. I know Sulu had over 100 for his race. So I'm sort of thinking an average of 50-odd. So across eight races, I guess we've had, I did do the sums earlier, but it was looking like 500-odd submissions. And So I'm guessing there's been thousands of, of runs over the course of the championship, which is quite something. Yeah, I mean, it has been amazing to to watch, and we do have to congratulate everybody who has run a race, uh, and we've got to thank them for their time and the organisation, because basically this is the kind of thing that really sets Elite Dangerous apart from um, other games, is this kind of competition or organisation, and yeah. It's, it's, it's been great, and I've had such lovely comments back. So um, it looks like we're doing it next year. I think everyone had far too much fun. So I think we have to do another one next year now. Oh, um, the yes. championship winners were, and the nice thing about this is that it's exactly the same three in both unlimited and regulation in exactly the same order. So I think they have firmly defined their their positions, if you know, if you if you like. Yeah. Um, so third place is Captain MD in both classes. A terrific streamer. If people haven't watched Captain MD, he does, I think, most if not all of his racing um, live streamed. Unfortunate for this race because it meant he was giving away his roots. But I, I find him a, a fantastic streamer. He's um, very, very meticulous, very calm, very, you know, um, he, he gives away a fantastic amount of information. Reminds me a little bit of Exegius in that regard. and. Um, so very educational watching his streams and he knows exactly what he's doing and and tells the audience so good stuff um brusky in second place in both both classes and of course shay blackwood in first so shay blackwood officially 3308 fastest pilot in the galaxy <laughs> and and the, the thing was it was all down to the last race because he overtook brusky on the last race didn't he yes what one of the races if you did the sums, he couldn't lose. But um, yes, there, w- there was a chance that things could go the other way. But, you know, Shay's score in, let's have a look in, let's do the best one. Shay's score in unlimited class is 57 out of a maximum 60. So if he won every single race, he'd get 60. Mm. He got 57, which is insane. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. One, the one thing, final thing I wanted to comment, actually, on these leaderboards um, is... In some ways, I find the bottom half of the top 10 interesting because there's there's the same names. And I think I could have predicted who was going to be in the top five, give or take, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some nice surprises in the bottom 10, which I, I, I love that we've got some new people that sort of got into racing this year. People like Epiphus, um, Caleb and Cola's really got into it. And he was top 10 this year. J-Space. We've got a psychic in 12. Hi, that me. It, it's great because it was getting a little bit stagnant. I mean, it, it's always fun, but it's always the same names. So the best thing for me is seeing all these new people turn up and have such a blast with it. Yeah, psychic. Like, I mean, uh, you've you've obviously enjoyed being involved with this all the way through. So yeah. how do you feel at the end of this? It's certainly out of the one point club. Oh yeah, um, the last two races I didn't, um, I didn't get one point. So I, I got like, I got more than one point. I didn't get zero for it. <laughs> I got more than one point. So it was really, it was really, it was really fun. Uh, it was really fun. The, um, the, again, um, especially towards the end, 
I wasn't really able to do a lot of Unlimited, but I really enjoyed flying the Cobra so much so that I'm gonna I'm gonna engineer one and make it um an an alternative um Odyssey Odyssey ship. The other yeah. thing I wanted to bring up um other other thing that I really really wanted to bring up was um the fact that uh you you'll notice Colin that you've beaten Katiana and I feel like it's important for me to mention it because she was gutted earlier. <laughs> well the fact that I was actually higher in the yep. in the in the rankings. Yes, I'm the only person in there with five points because I wasn't able to do the last three races. Um, I really wanted to do one of them, but unfortunately, time was against me, especially this weekend. Uh, but, I mean, congratulations to, to Psychic. We've also got a friend, Mac Winston. He's up at, he's no longer in the one-point club either. So, you know, fair play to Mac. Uh, and, of course, we've got um, Homburger as well, our, our, one of our favourite uh, um uh, fuel rats he's he's there and Indeed. i also Actually, just a quick shout out for homburger if anyone <clears throat> i haven't got the link to hand but um <clears throat> homburger's done a little blog for every race of the entire championship and they're they're brilliant they're such a good read so yeah go, go and track those down so i mean i'm hoping that everybody who's just even if they've just raced once they've got the bug for it and for when it comes around next year then it's 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 going to be a full-on right we're all in an, all in this together I'm so I'll, excited I'll, I'll about... tell you one thing for sure i am not doing last gasp again you know, <laughs> if, if, if 100 people decide to enter that race that's my week gone so yeah i'm so excited about the idea of doing um doing the pareco run again yeah like um because we because we started with it and i feel like i was such a novice when we first started um started doing this and um i was just like having having a bit of fun and then it's i suddenly got the bug during the pareco run i'd love to see if i could beat it now but i, I i'm not going to do it without there being a competition because what's the point <laughs> yeah yeah i'm uh, I, i'm really surprised that kitty Anna is actually quite upset about the fact that she she only got four points. Um, she's she's just disappointed. She's just disappointed. She should have put her finger out of her ass and actually taken part in one of the races. I, I didn't realise I was hated so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we will we will leave the buckyball for the moment. Um, just in other quick news, uh, for those of you that like the sanctimonious stories, which is basically these um, short stories which I write for uh, in the universe of Elite Dangerous, there is a new one out based on the events on HIP 22460, uh, and you can find that in the show notes. We'll give you a, a link to it. Um, Another couple of events which are happening is the CQC Discord are taking full advantage of the crossplay between 4.0 uh, Horizons and Odyssey, and that is now their platform of choice for uh, for their new events. So, unfortunately, we'll have missed if they do every Tuesday night, probably just before the show starts. They have the Plasma Challenge, which is basically everybody in a federal fighter and just armed with plasma cannons, and best one wins. Uh, and then on Thursday, between six and eight. Uh, UTC. They also have Tactical Thursday, which is effectively capture the flag, and uh, they they try and do some organised capture the flag 
flag playing. Um, I, I would recommend it. I've been involved in it once, which and it was a laugh. But if you know, if you get musketeer on your team, hey, yes. Um, and in addition, the anti-Zeno initiative have also started. Um, uh, Operation Blot. Now, uh, this is to help them take out the uh, those Thargoid-loving hippies in the Thargoid cult. They're they're doing special rewards for as many hippies, um, religious extremists that they can off in, in the week. So, um, always worth having a look at the Anti-Zeno Initiative. They also have the Finance Friday event, which was on a Friday. They they have a competition to see who can. Uh, basically get the most money destroying Thargoid. So that's always good to follow. Um, we don't have any mostly clueless thing for you this week, but we do have some any other business. Yes. Yes, because we talked about it earlier, the um, the D2 information and mm-hmm. um, Tessero um, was the one who leaked the info that was from, um, from D2. It was on the 10th of June. Um, oh. Katie did some Googling for me, some mad, mad Googling and found it. Um, she, um, but by the looks of it, looking at the, the, the logs, it was initially like an anonymous source. So I think it was digital communication. So she might not have even, um, Tessero might not have even known what, um, D2 looked like or anything along those lines. So reading between the lines, it's completely it's completely understandable that Tessa might not have even recognised D2 until she um, provided some identification. Mm, yes. Okay, well, I stand corrected on that one. Um, so, <laughs> mistakes were made. Um, Crash, uh, are you still doing your Friday night streams? Oh, absolutely, mate. Yes, yes. Um, obviously, last week was the exception. Um, I, like I said, had to had to head down to <laughs> the back end of Wales somewhere and help with that. But yes, uh, absolutely doing that. Um, we've been uh, obviously doing a variety of things, as I always do. Uh, the week before, uh, I forgot to mention earlier that uh, I streamed Odyssey entirely from the stream Steam Deck for four hours. I was thoroughly impressed with the little thing. Um, fantastic piece of kit that is uh, and was running perfectly fine on that uh, but yeah yeah it's great fun as always friday night i try to do it as often as i can um with the exception of various <laughs> adulting getting in the way yes I, I i can hear you on that especially when you have deadlines pressing <laughs> yeah uh right well the uh, we'll just have well uh, I, I guess Alec is taking a well-earned break from uh, from the buckyball and and so on. So uh, I guess we'll go straight to the shout-outs. Uh, so as everybody knows, the uh, the Dex Legacy is on hiatus at the moment as they they start work before they start working on series two. Um, there's but if you pop over to uh, DexLegacy.com there's plenty of bonus materials and merc to buy which all proceeds from which will go to making season 2 and of course we've also got Escape Velocity playing before uh, this episode which is it's good to hear um, I've got to check with Chris about the uh, the latest version of um, season, season 2 which had all the latest sounds on it because I think that's gone 
missing, but we'll, we'll track it down. Um, obviously, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, which broadcasts on a Thursday at 8.30. You can tune in at Twitch TV, Hutton Orbital Truckers, or if you just want the audio, go to radio.forthemug.com. The discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action can check out the disc, the uh, CQC Discord at discord.me slash CQC or one word. And I guess we'll have to give uh, an even shorter list of other Elite Dangerous podcasts which have appeared over the last year. Um, we have the Guard Frequency, who do other space games as well. And of course, um, we'll wave to all the guys over at Loose Screws in, in the States uh, for their uh, <laughs> their usuals. Um, yes, the Flight Assist do have episodes available. You can still listen to all of the back catalogue. It's not like we've removed everything off the internet. It's still there. And the nature of Flight Assist is that it's pretty timeless. You can go back and listen to them, as I've discovered in re-listening to them myself. Um, yes, well, following on for this, we have the latest Galnet News Digest, as provided by Commander Witherspoon and Commander Beetlejude. And we'd like to thank everybody who's chipped in on the Twitch chat during this and on the on the YouTube as well. So thanks, guys. And we do have some in-game commanders who have annoyed the Chris Mark IV. We've had Miggles, uh, JCP Digger, who's, who's shot down the Chris Mark IV in a case of mistaken identity, Commander Ventura, and uh, Mav... Three are three wonkers, which I've probably completely massacred. So everybody take a drink. Um, and of course, special thanks goes to Commander Tokuso, uh, JN Trax, and Alan Stroud, who have created music for the show. Apparently, Maverickus? Maverickus? I'd have said, I'd have said um, Maverick US or Mavericus, maybe. We we listen to this. We've we've given you so many variations. One of them's got to be right. If you throw enough shit at a wall, some of it will stick. <laughs> and now you know what my approach is to <laughs> to podcasting. Just don't get your ball stuck in the mail slot, all right? <laughs> so. So that's it, thank God, for another episode of Late Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio or tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders like to hang out and chat, and you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Now, do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future show. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So, thanks to Psykit. You're welcome, Colin. Thank you. Thanks to Alec. Thanks all. Goodbye. And of course, special thanks to Commander Crash. A pleasure, mate. <laughs> and special thanks also go to today's tech specialist, the Chris Mark IV. You're welcome. And it's good night from him, and it's good night from me. Right. Until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
I'm going to see the galaxy. Digest, 4th of October 3308. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, we listen to part of the Joy Sen Ice Cast and wonder what impact the Thargoid Advocacy Project will have on the immediate future of the galaxy. Icecaster Joyce Sen has broadcast a terrifying howl of pain allegedly recorded when the Proteus wave was activated in HIP 22460 and smuggled out, possibly by Far God activists. This howl is very different from the massive pulse of energy emitted from the system after the Thargoids had come back to life and taken the system over. Let's just hear that sound. That sounded like a mixture between a cry of victory and some sort of long-distance communication. This new recording, which is of uncertain provenance but is being widely circulated on social media platforms, may, according to Sen and her guest on the episode, Haimar Borichev, deputy editor of The Sovereign, indicate that the Proteus wave weapon incorporated a living Thargoid and that this is the sound of it crying out in despair and anguish. Borichev had come on the Joycen Icecast to promote the Thargoid Advocacy Project, an organic movement promoting peace between Thargoids and humans. He wants to get the movement out of the fringe media, like his own The Sovereign, and to get the choice of a negotiated peace with the Thargoids openly discussed in the mainstream media. In addition to the peace movement and the Thargoids' scream, they also discussed the Stargoids' flares or signals, and whether, when they eventually arrive at a human-inhabited system, we should greet them with flowers and a welcoming committee. Here's an edited version of their conversation. If you want to hear the full discussion, it's at Joyce End's Ice Beacon near Ayabiko, Planet 3. Joy. 
So you're into the tap stuff, aren't you? Oh yeah, uh, I believe it is a very impressive movement. TAP, or the Thargoid Advocacy Project right. for people unfamiliar with the term. I've been talking about it for a while now. My viewers uh, are probably sick of it by now. <laughs> oh, oh, well, let's hope not, because again, I have to say, it is really important, I think. The Thargoid Advocacy Project is, in my mind, the best chance we have for a diplomatic resolution to the war. More and more regular civilians are taking notice of the peace message and sharing it on ICE platforms. Yeah. Your media, Joy. My intended contribution is to bring that conversation to the mainstream news feeds and keep it there. I think that, if we're being honest, the Xeno peace calls should be seen on Galnet, they should be on the Imperial Herald, mm. and on the Federal Times, yes. promoting peace and a diplomatic solution to a war which is now five years long shouldn't be restricted to independent journalists. Have you heard the recording from HIP 22460? I have. It's such a sad sound. It's so mournful. We don't know what made it. Yeah. It is definitely Thargoid, but it does not match the noises from the Thargoid ships we have encountered so far. So, some of my crew are convinced that something alive was used to power the Proteus Wave weapon that Salvation built. Mm. I wouldn't put it past him. He was such a scumbag. You are not a fan of Salvation's work, then? Are you kidding me? Here, let's play this sound for everyone. Turn your volume up. Listen to this. That sounds like something's alive and in pain. Whatever Salvation tried to do, it hurt the Thargoids. And then they reacted violently. Right. That is what I've been arguing on the Sovereign Network. We have been the aggressor in this conflict, exactly. and the Thargoids are responding in kind. Mm. There must be a concerted effort to break the cycle of war, or both species are doomed to many more years of suffering. All three superpowers covered it up, though. Deliberately hiding this from us, this evidence that the Thargoids feel pain or even sadness, mm. if that's what they did, and I'm not saying they definitely did, I'm just saying it doesn't look good, then we're being lied to, and I don't want to believe that they'd lie to us. It makes me feel icky or something. Well, once again, the Thargoid Advocacy Project may change that. Mm. If our leaders try to convince the public that continued war is the only answer, they may be surprised by such strong calls for peace. I hope so. Hymar, what do you think about the mysterious signals currently moving towards the core systems? Ah, uh, that is a good question. I, I find them fascinating. A mystery yet to be solved. I know, right? I hope we can learn more about them soon. Mm. Have you discussed them on your show before? Let me tell you something. My crew has been tracking these things by the hour. We're so excited about what they could mean. Well, your crew must have considered both the <laughs> pros and cons of what these anomalies are. Mm. It, it would be very naive to expect the purely benevolent intent. I get what you mean. Are you worried that they're dangerous? Yes, I worry that we have invited danger to our space. Yes, yes, I do. Our leaders have overseen a consistent level of antagonism towards anything non-human. Do you think that they're Thargoid-related? Well, that is a popular theory, but currently we have no evidence to support it. 
All we know is that they are traveling towards our borders at a remarkable speed. Yeah, the first one we found has a definite route. Like, it doesn't seem like it's a comet or anything. It's moving between systems. Right, right, which indicates a level of intelligence or, or good programming, maybe. Yeah. But if we assume the former, and once again, we must not be naive in our thinking, if it is an intelligent source, then it means we must be very careful in how we greet it. Yeah. If recent events are anything to go by, we'll probably try and form a battle fleet to go intercept it. I wish we'd try <laughs> something else for once. Yeah, which brings us back to the tap idea. Yeah. We must petition our leaders on the local, stellar, and interstellar level. Yeah. Push every aspect of governance to explore diplomatic avenues with both the Thargoids and with these signals, if at all possible. I completely agree. So you heard the man, people. Get the message out there. We need an alternative to war, and it's time our voices were heard. Mwah! In the broadcast, Borichev and Sen fail to put forward any clear plan about how peace could be achieved without the ability to understand the motivations of the Thargoids or to communicate with them. This is something Aegis might be able to achieve were it to be reformed. Professor Albertesro is holding a conference in Altair right now to try and get backing from the superpowers for a new version of the Xeno Research Organization. Meanwhile, with the Far Gods' new True Chapter movement losing the battle against federal oppression in Papontia, they seem on track for the federal military to seize their new megaship, the Dedicant, a major setback for a pro-Thargoid movement. Perhaps the secular peace movement will also fail to get the level of support it's hoping for. Perhaps humanity will fall back on the old faithfuls of Gauss cannon and flak launchers to greet both the Thargoids and the Stargoids when they eventually arrive. And with today's appearance of D2 at the Aegis Conference saying that she knows what that screech means and that it's too late to stop what's coming. Perhaps we'll need those Gauss cannon and flak launchers, no matter what the Thargoid Advocacy Project may think. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs>